What's going on, everyone? It's Greg Williams and Shakia Sykes. Welcome to the Grier Project podcast series. Now, you're probably like, Greg, what does Grier mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's five different letters that mean five different things. Gender, race, inclusion, equity, and allyship. Right, Shaq? Right. It's a podcast series that centers on celebrating diversity within New York City Department of Social Services, Human Resources Administration, and the Department of Homeless Services. We'll spotlight cutting-edge DEI practices and broaden listeners' perspectives on current DEI issues. On this episode, we're going to talk to Samita Ali Khan, a legal professional, on bringing your authentic self to work, dream or reality. Fine. All right. I mean, Shaq, I don't like it when you tell me what to say and what not to say. But <laughs> I don't like when you do that to me either. So go ahead. All right. Well, you know what? Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Grier Project podcast series where we talk about gender, race, inclusion, equity and allyship. Uh, I'm sorry, Samita. You, 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 you are in our world and I know you're just looking at us like. Why do you guys? No, have I to love go? it. You you like the dynamic. This <laughs> I is do. yeah. So everybody, welcome Samita Ali Khan to the show. If I have virtual like hand claps, I'll be doing all that stuff like radio shows. But we don't have that in our budget. We don't have the hand clap effect. No. Yeah, but so Samita Ali Khan, you're a partner here at Foley Hoag, and you're in the legal field, and um, yes. we are going to be talking about bringing your authentic self to work, dream or reality. I mean, before we get into the show, tell us a little bit about yourself. Born, raised, how'd you get here in life? Sure. Um, As Greg said, my name is Samita Ali Khan. Um, A lot of people, particularly in the Western world, know me as Samita, but I do go by both pronunciations. I was born in Bangladesh, but I grew up in Brooklyn. So Flatbush in particular. So New York is always home to me. Um, and right now, I'm a partner at the law firm of Foley Hoag LLP. I do a lot of diverse work for my clients, but most uh, often what I'll do is I help my clients when they want to raise a lot of money. So when they want to raise hundreds of millions of dollars or some odd billion amount of dollars, I will help them do the legal work for that. And the um, law firm that I'm part of, I'm glad to say I joined them because one of the primary reasons was because of the work that they do in the DEI space. That is something that has always been a passion of mine. I've obviously had lived experiences as a Muslim, as an immigrant, as a woman of color, particularly post 9-11 in New York, but also, you know, I've studied DEI, I've um, lived it in the corporate workspaces. And so for me, it's really important to advocate for everything DEI related. And I think it's still a very much of a learning space where people are learning together. But I think the passion behind pushing that forward is really important. Thank you for sharing this story. It's very awesome and we're connected because I currently live on Flatbush in Brooklyn. (laughs) Hold Shaq, why you gotta tell people where you look? Keep going. I'm just sharing, Greg. That's all sharing a lot. So I'm bringing my authentic self. Okay. we had this discussion before, you know, the podcast about bringing your authentic self to work. And if it's easy, if it's hard, it's basically easier said than done. Um, And I use that term too, when I'm like doing workshops at work, I'll be like, we want you to bring your authentic self to work. But how true is that? You know, some people can do it, 
Um, some people like have certain privileges to bring their authentic self. I think that is a part of privilege if you are able to be authentic, but other people can because of the workplace culture, you know, where they're from. It's so many aspects to it. So the first question I have to ask is how does authenticity in the workplace connect with DEI? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. And thank you for that preface. Um, I, I should also note that, you know, in this podcast, what I'm saying are my own views and thoughts, and they're not um, necessarily those of the law firm that I'm part of, and not of the demographic groups that I'm a part of either. Um, I speak for myself here. And I think how authenticity relates to DEI is because that's the goal. You want to be able to be yourself um, in every space that you come into. I am just of the world where I think that we're not there yet. I think it's a myth and I think it's problematic if you tell people that they should bring their authentic self to work because I don't think the workplaces um, allow for that right now. You know, that is a good thought. And like I've taken that into consideration when I talk about being authentic at work. So do you think I guess you answered my second question. Do you think it's always the best thing to bring your authentic self to work? Do you can do you think it kind of can hurt or harm you if you try to? I think I think for sure it's both helpful and harmful. So I think um, you know good organizations allow you to mostly be yourself. I think it is important that you come with all of the identities that you identify as. I think it is harmful to have to hide parts of yourself. Um, so if you, whatever gender you identify with, whatever sexual orientation you identify with, your race, your religion, those things I think, you know, are often such a critical piece of you that if you try to um, hide those or, you know, slip under the radar because you think that it might not be appreciated or valued at work, I think that is really hard on you. I think the, the mental strain of it um, is problematic. I think we all have understood as of late, particularly over the pandemic, that if something harms you mentally, there are there are physical ramifications of that, what stress does to the body. So I actually consider DEI a um, public health matter. I think I think we need to pay a lot more attention to it than we than we are doing. Um, and we need to think of it as really important. At the same time, do I think we should all be telling people, bring your whole authentic self to work? No, because I think one thing that is very easy to, to digest for me is the fact that a workplace is supposed to be this professional environment. But rules of professionalism are subjective. They are not one and the same all over the world, all over um, the nation, probably. It's different per culture, different per groups. And so... There is a standardized rules of professionalism that we currently have to abide by. And so bringing your authentic self to work and bringing all the vulnerabilities and fears and everything else um, along with that in a space where we are told, yes, be yourself. But then we're also told, be a team player, um, be approachable. People don't like when you always bring up these heavy topics that that's not that doesn't mesh well together. I agree. I think that, um, you know, being authentic at work, it comes with um, boundaries. You have to kind of create boundaries for what parts of you you want to share and um, how vulnerable you want to be to kind of, you know, 
avoid issues and to connect with your coworkers and to and you also kind of got to read the room and understand the culture of the workplace. You know, it it is great to bring topics, certain topics to the table, but um, I understand the difficulty in that. So, you know, in our Office of Equity and Inclusion, we do um, DEI workshops around, um, Greg does some around gender, I do race, um, and then we do other workshops around immigration bias, microaggressions. Uh, we recently, as I mentioned, um, tone policing and code switching. That's some of the stuff we do, and that's, the, that's a part of what I mentioned, how I want you know people to be their authentic selves, to um, be able to have these conversations in the workplace. Um, do you do anything similar here? Yes, we do a lot of similar things um, at the law firm, and I think that that is something that's ever-evolving. We are always listening to the people that are in our spaces to see what is working for you, what isn't working for you, and how can we accommodate that, resolve for that, um, and change things for the better. And actually, very recently, we have formalized a DEI um, counseling defense and investigations practice where we are outside counsel to companies, to schools, and to other clients when they want to um, deal with some of their DEI issues, whether that's policy work, whether that's a sensitive situation that might have come up in the um, in internal investigations, or even you know how to deal with um, stakeholders, so like investors or just people in the public, and we help them mitigate risks. Are you going to be sued over these certain policies? There's lots of questions that are coming up now because DEI um, is so highly scrutinized, and I'm, I'm happy to say that we're able to help clients with that. Thank you. So let me ask you this. It's really all about being yourself at work I, and, and being who you are. Sometimes people like to say, well, I'm going to be myself unapologetically. And you're like, uh, okay, uh, for real? And you're like, yes. <laughs> when, wh what has worked for you in this, you, you know, in the legal field? You know, what has worked for you when you want to be who you are? You want to show your clients your authentic self because that's the way that you hope to connect with them. Like, what has worked for you? So I think that is an interesting question because it's, for me, dependent on the role that you play. So as Shaq mentioned before, there's some privileges that people have. And I think right now as a partner at my law firm, I have a certain level of privilege because I'm in a leadership position. It's not something I may have had as a junior attorney at my law firm. Um, now I am in the rooms where I can have an opinion, have a voice and you know, shift certain cultures and people will come to me if they need a um, like counseling topic on something. Is this appropriate? And I have a voice in those matters. I didn't have that voice when I was just starting at a law firm. And so I often felt that I needed to keep parts of me quiet. I needed to keep it quiet that, you know, I didn't come from a family of lawyers nor a family of CEOs. And so I didn't have that you know, cultural capital that a lot of lawyers, I think, need, um, at least at the early stage, to do well. So my identities were appreciated when I had, we had clients of a certain demographic that I could relate to. And then I would be, you know, shown off in those spaces. And those spaces I took to, you know, feel 
competent and feel appreciated. And then in other spaces, it was really difficult. You know, I think a lot of people have this experience, um, unfortunately, but when you're looked at as, you know, the not a, not an attorney, but the, the help staff or the catering or the secretary, all of these things, all of these professions that are really great and important, but that's not my profession. And so if your first um, impression of me when you walk into the room because of the color of my skin, because my height, because of every other thing that you have put into some box and some stereotype that like, oh, this is not what my lawyer should look like. It, it's hard to combat that all the time. Um, so I think, I, I think, you know, when you are in certain spaces, you're able to to capitalize on um, parts of your identity, but in other places, it seems like a disadvantage sometimes. Yeah, and and I mean, walking into a room, I, I'll give everybody that first one, unconscious bias, I get it. Sure. You know, I'm gonna look at you, I'm gonna build what I've seen on TV, I'm gonna build from what I've seen in my life, but you don't know me, you don't know me. You should get to know me, ask some questions. And that's why I really wanna go into this next part about social support because you hit on it. You know, you've been that person that has been sought after for help, you know, within the workplace. So how important is lending social support to somebody important to actually helping them be their authentic self? It's critical. I mean, it is very hard, I think, as an individual person to show up the way that you want to show up when you don't have people around you that look like you, um, that are open to those conversations. Um, and if you don't have that representation in leadership, because I think a part of the safety of showing up as who you are in a workplace is because you think that doing so means that there are no obstacles in you getting to the, the position that you want to get into. So if everyone quote unquote at the bottom is showing up as themselves, but the leadership looks nothing like them, then I think you have less reason to continue to do that because you think, you know, optically speaking, there is no room for you at the top, especially if you are not playing the professional world correctly and conforming to the norms. So what are some of the avenues of uh, social support that you feel are lacking? You know, not just in the legal field, but just in the professional world. I think um, number one, and no matter how many times this is repeated, like to me, representation matters. That is the number one thing, particularly in the in the leadership, in the um, the middle management, like all throughout the organization. I think you need people that are diverse and that are understanding and that are vocal about talking about these things. Um, beyond that, I know um, employment research. Uh, sorry, ERGs, so employment resource groups are um, often talked about in a negative way, like maybe they're not helpful, but I think when done right, those are key spaces. Those are safe spaces where you're able to say, this is what I'm dealing with. And hopefully you, everyone else in that group who may or may not go through that same thing can offer me some sort of support that I'm not getting in the wider spaces because I can't relate as well for this reason. And, and I do think it's really important to know um, at an organization level, like for leadership to realize that this is not an individual problem. Like you shouldn't put the onus on the individual to figure out how they can best work through an organization. And like the organization needs to change and to make it more inclusive. 
there's no way that I am exactly who I want to be in the in the workplace because I am still influenced by a lifetime of experiences where that was never appreciated. So yes, I push the boundaries. Yes, I say things now that I wouldn't have said even a few years ago, but at the same time, I'm not saying everything. I don't want to, um, you know, make the wrong person upset or, or, you know, what lives in my head. And I think what lives in a lot of people's head is like, I, if, if I am one of the sole people of my demographic in a certain area, you are expected to speak for your demographic. And that's not helpful. It's stressful. It's not accurate. And I think that puts a lot of pressure on minorities because you think you have to act very quote unquote properly. And um, that's not, that's not authentic of course, but it's almost like a game you have to play because you don't want to ruin it for the next person. See, Shaq, Game of Thrones I in the boardroom. Yeah, that's a it game, is of a game of Thrones. That's right. Uh, yeah. It's all right. She'll get over it. She'll rebound. She'll come up with something. I'll let go. <laughs> You'll let go. I'll let go of it. Um, thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing that. I wanted to ask, um, you know, like and mention just identifying your privilege as a leader in the workplace. Do you encourage others um, in your group of leaders to do that, to identify their privilege? Because I'm big on that leadership, identifying their privilege, recognizing it and kind of, you know, using that and learning from it. I think absolutely. I think that's necessary. I try to do that in the spaces that I'm in. Um, but I definitely don't think that it's, you know, like a one-time training. I mm -hmm. think it's something that people need to remind themselves of and be reminded of in various, in various scenarios. Um, but time and time again, because you often forget. And I think it is a um, topic that you don't necessarily want to remember because it's uncomfortable to know that you're privileged and know that your privilege um, dictates a lot of how you're acting and what you're saying and how you're feeling and, um, you know, create barriers in terms of understanding what the person in front of you is feeling. And so it's uncomfortable, but I don't know how else you would move the, like, move all of this forward, all of these DEI efforts forward if you don't acknowledge your privilege. Thank you. Um, one last question. Um, what would you tell your coworkers or even your younger self when you like hear authenticity? What would be like the thing, the advice you give them? Um, one last takeaway. Um, I think the biggest takeaway is you, should want to be authentic. That is the goal that makes your life, I think, a lot easier because you are bringing your personal self um, and your work self together. And so that eliminates a lot of stressors in your head. You're not constantly worried about, oh, should I say this? Should I wear this? Should I dress like this? Do I need to straighten my hair? Do I need to do all of these things? And that leaves room to actually do the work that you want to do instead of having all of this mental capacity taken up through things that, you know, not everyone has to deal with. But I think it's be authentic, but with the grain of salt. Like there is a big caveat to me because I think it is dangerous to tell people, bring your authentic self to work 
And then there are ramifications because are are you authentic and then being promoted? Are you authentic and still looked at as a team player? Are you authentic and you know um, looked at in all of these positive ways that are necessary for your career progression? And I'm not sure the answer to that is yes. I think it is dependent on the organization. And I think lots of organizations are um, thankfully doing a lot nowadays to move these things forward. But I can't say with a straight face that all organizations um, do it well and that we should be telling our people to be their whole authentic self in the workplace. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I don't think I'll be telling folks to be their authentic selves um, during our workshops because that's the point of our workshops is to be able to have these like open discussions, these difficult discussions in the workplace around DEI. So, you know, and, and the point of it is it happened. Like some of these issues, for example, we had a big discussion about tone policing, you know, and it happens a lot to women. Um, women of color, you know, if you're speaking up for yourself, you're being too aggressive. Somebody may tone police you and say, oh, you're being too aggressive. And no, you're just passionate about what you're feeling in the moment. So, you know, I think it's hard what you said. It's difficult to really just kind of bring your whole self to work. So thank you now, for sharing. Now, now full disclaimer, I, I just want to throw this out there. I thought when we were going to talk about being our whole and thought, authentic self, I was like, ooh, can I, can I just say that in my whole, before I took my little DEI journey, I thought being your authentic self was like being who you were. And I was like, well, I'm gonna bring all the hood with me. I'm gonna bring the whole Harlem, cause I'm from Harlem, y'all from Brooklyn, y'all let no, no. <laughs> I'm from yeah. Queens, You from Queens. Yeah, you, 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 what is that LL Cool J song? You was born out in Queens, but you represent Brooklyn, something like <laughs> yes. that. I don't know. I thought bringing your whole authentic self, I was like, well, I was thinking I was going to wear my Parasuko jeans. And you remember back in the 90s when I'm a Gen Z year, y'all, I'm going to tell y'all how it was. I wore the big old iceberg sweatshirts and the, and, and you, right, you're you, not a Gen Z or you're a millennial. You leave me alone. <laughs> I will identify how I, Anyway, thank you for being so much on the show. Sorry. I, thought, I thought that we were going to talk about, okay, well, let, you, let's set the show off with a bang. What about people that think about, okay, well, bringing my authentic self, I'm aware of what I would wear in my culture. And, and is, is this, let's bring this up. Let's talk, let's really talk about it. When the workplace says, oh, we're going to celebrate this holiday centered around a certain culture, everybody wear this. Do you think that's enough? No, and I honestly don't think that that's appropriate. If you're saying everybody wear a certain thing for a certain <laughs> I agree. holiday, I think um, I think we need to learn more about cultural appropriation before mm -hmm. we do that. And also I think the threat is you make something seem like a costume. Yeah. This is not a costume. This is my life. This is that person's life and culture. Um, and they may not affiliate in that same way where they want to dress like that or they do dress like that at home or in, in cultural spaces. So imposing that, I think, is part of what we were talking about earlier in terms of if you only have so many people of a certain demographic in your workplace, let's say, they are not representative of their whole culture and their whole demographic. So imposing that on them feels a little bit, you know, paternalistic. And a future lawsuit. 
Uh, listen, a, a, a newspaper. And that's the thing. You have some organizations. They're like, okay, well, we're going to have, you know, uh, Ramadan come up, everybody wear. And you're like, what? But I don't. But and then they look toward, you know, the Muslims of the workplace. And you're like, why do I have to be? I don't I'm not the token. And it's I really think it's inauthentic. Why are you trying to be authentic? And yeah, that don't fly. I don't know why I just brought that up. No, I think just, I think that is a good point because, um, you know, the part of. So I think there's one part where you where you tell people bring your authentic self to work. And then there's a inauthentic part of that where organizations try to, as you said, quote unquote, be authentic. And it feels false. And I think part of that is because not everyone is being their authentic self to work, bringing their authentic self to work. And, you know, you just don't have that representation there to say that this celebration feels genuine. It feels like tick the box. We are showing that we care about you. But have we involved you in that process? Have we told have we asked you whether it's appropriate to do it this way um, and who should come in to speak and what foods we should bring? And does this feel uncomfortable to you? Have we had those conversations with the people that we're inviting into those spaces um, or are we speaking for them? And if it's the latter, then it feels disingenuous and it doesn't feel authentic. That's right. That, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Shai, because the, the next time y'all have a potluck at work, stop asking all the Hispanic, hey, can you bring that empanada? Like, don't do that. Don't do that. I think you, you know. made an amazing point also. Um, and I think that's why like more people need to be at the table when it's these discussions and these diversity holiday events to tell folks um, when it's not okay, when it, you shouldn't do this. It's a bad idea. You know, let's let's go back to the drawing board and figure something else that is more inclusive to everyone else. So I think the, that was really good. And, you know, I hope folks are listening to that. I, I decided to Shaq is usually the fence. I decided to just jump the fence on this one and just like, let's talk about it because it happens. Uh, it happens. Yeah. It happens. And really real quick. And then I'll let you go. Um, <laughs> what has been your experience just overall, you know, being regarded as the token, how does that make you feel? You know, how has it made you feel? It's difficult. Um, it's difficult being in a room where you are the only person or one of a handful, if that, of people that um, you identify with in terms of your demographics. But as I've said before, I have been able to work that space. Um, I think for most of my career, maybe inauthentically, um, but now I feel privileged to be in a leadership position at a place where I can bring more of my voice to the table because yes, it's great to be at the table, but you need an organization that appreciates not just your physical body at the table, mm -hmm. but your voice when you are at that table. Are you a point of influence? Are people listening to you? Are people looking at you as the token whatever that always talks about X, Y, and Z? Or are they seeing you as a comprehensive person that unfortunately these X, Y, and Z, usually like racism, sexism, any other isms um, are affecting your day to day. So of course you're gonna bring that up. And from your perspective, if you lived it and you can see it from a different dimension than other people at the table, you should be able to speak on that. And you shouldn't be regarded as the person that is only helpful in those circumstances. 
You dropped some amazing, amazing gems. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Now you can end the show, Shaq. Oh, thanks a lot, Greg. You're welcome. Um, I'm going to end with this long paragraph that I found in the Harvard Business Review about the title of the um, the uh, article was How Much of Your Authentic Self Should You Really Bring to Work? Um, it was written by um, Susan McPherson. Hope oh, I said her name right. So... Bringing your true self to work means being vulnerable and not everyone deserves or needs to see that side of you. And of course, you aren't obligated to help every person who crosses your path. Setting boundaries is important for a number of reasons. It helps you preserve your time, prevents burnout, protects you from breaches of trust and allows you to focus on the relationships that give you joy. The Grier Project podcast series is produced by the New York City Department of Social Services, Human Resources Administration, and Department of Homeless Services. You can find us on the web at www.nyc.gov/dss.